Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Sarah, and I'm joined by my co-host, Helen. Hello, everybody. And this is episode 81 of our podcast, which explores all the ins and outs of how to develop the skills to succeed, whatever success means to you in a squiggly career, whether that's interview skills, discovering your values, or asking for a pay rise and managing stress at work. All things I think we all think about quite a lot. Um, and this is Helen's last podcast recording before she is whisked away to Disneyland, which I'm finding very funny and not really thinking it's a holiday for her. But she's not going to get very much sympathy from me because as she disappears for a couple of weeks, I am taking over the daily Instagram stories. So if you are somebody who follows us on Instagram, we're just that amazing if. Helen does an amazing daily careers kind tip, kind. which people love and lots of people follow. And so as she's off on her holiday for a few weeks, I thought I would give it a go in her place. We worked quite different time schedules. So <laughs> if you um, want to check out my Instagram story, daily career tip, I'm going to do 10 days of career curiosity mine will be in the evening because Helen gets up very early to do hers they will also be a lot more basic because I'm literally learning to do it for the first time this week so um that's something to look forward to if you want a bit of career curiosity you in your might life. not want to give me them back when I come back you might think? be no it's a hundred days of career curiosity I feel like okay fine off you go <laughs> yeah I'm imagining that's not going to be true <laughs> and this week's topic we're talking about language at work so both body language and the words that we use and this was inspired by a session that we did at um, a training day a couple of weeks ago by a company called Own the Room. They're an American training company, but they work all across Europe as well. And Helen and I were actually on the stage after this company. So we first of all realised that never ever volunteer to be on the stage after somebody has just done basically communications training because you are <laughs> way too self-conscious about exactly what you're saying, the way you're standing, what you're doing with your hands. But we did some really interesting exercises and it just reminded us of how important and impactful both what we say and how we say it is when you get it right and how detrimental it can be uh, when you get it wrong. So this week then, what we're planning to do is to share some of our stories when maybe we've got this stuff right and wrong and then tell you some of our top tips, I guess what we've learned from being really conscious of our body language and our voice and using that in a really impactful way. We've also got a few tips from our community, so looking forward to sharing those. And then as ever, we've got loads of resources. They'll be on amazingif.com, so you'll be able to find out those as well. Uh, but before we get into our stories, we wanted to bust a couple of myths. So as ever, I quite like doing a bit 
bit of research for our podcast. I tend to go down a bit of a rabbit hole of stuff when I'm when I'm finding stuff out. <laughs> I even went down a bit of a rabbit hole with this one. I have to say, at one point, getting to um, looking at body language with like Kate versus Megan, and at that point, I thought, oh, mm, yeah. I've I've gone too far here. I don't actually yeah. really care about that that much. You know, when there's like seven degrees of separation, whenever some yeah. articles take you to like Kate and Megan, you're, you're like, like, go yeah, back, go yeah. back up. Get, get back to the point, back to the point. <laughs> back to the point. Um, I didn't go that deep, so hopefully this is still relevant. So two myths that I'd like to bust for people in terms of body language and also tone of voice. The first one is something that, I think it's kind of a little bit old school, but it's like an easy trap to fall into, which is making loads of assumptions when you see people's body language based on sort of old rules. What I mean very specifically is like, you know, the crossed arms and the crossed legs thing. Loads of people make assumptions that that means people are, maybe they're being a bit defensive or maybe they're a bit shy or maybe they're a bit nervous because they're sort of like the old rules of that kind of stuff that we've all been taught. But actually, when I was looking into the research, it said that they're really dangerous assumptions to make because actually there could be many other reasons why people choose to stand like that over and above the fact that maybe it's just habit it talked about them you've got to be able to put someone's body language in context you can't say everybody who crosses their arms is defensive and everyone who crosses their legs is nervous because actually culture age gender geographic location whether they're hot or cold like all this stuff can actually make a difference to how somebody stands and how they're using their body language so I think the main message is there is don't leap to conclusions based on old rules or kind of stuff that someone else has told you, actually. I actually find that one quite challenging because as you were describing that then, I was trying to figure out, I think when I would observe some of those things you talked about, I probably would make those assumptions. And Mm -hmm. so that is the impact that person is having on me. If somebody sat in the corner of a room with their arms and legs crossed, I would perhaps think that they were disengaged or they weren't that interested or they didn't believe what I was saying. And so just letting that go. And actually, it particularly resonates, I think, for when we do training sessions together. So we've done quite a few training sessions where when you look out onto a sea of faces, you get some people who are just very kind of smiley and lean forward and look very engaged. And you do get some people who look either bored or disinterested or perhaps, you know, their body language suggests that they don't really want to be there. What has been really compelling for me is that sometimes it's those people who, after a training session, come up to you and say, I found that really insightful. It's given me some real aha moments. It's been really transformational. I found it fascinating. If you'd have guessed what those people were thinking based on their body language, you would suspect that they would much rather just not be there. So I think Mm. that that has actually really helped me to just sort of let go of some of those previous assumptions because I think I definitely had them. But it's just almost sometimes the way that people are when they're absorbing things Mm, um mm. and it's so easy to like you say assign things to that now it doesn't mean you shouldn't think about those things and we'll we'll talk about some examples of that but I do think you know if you're ever doing like big presentations or talking to big groups of people just almost like not letting yourself be put off or almost not communicating in such an impactful way because you're being put off by the way people are sitting or looking or staring is actually really important I think it's fine to say about the impact it might be having on you. So let's say um, I was having a catch up with Sarah and Sarah was sat there with her arms crossed and her legs crossed and 
what I might say to Sarah is, are you okay? I feel like you're not really present in the conversation. So I think it's fine to tell Sarah, like, or whoever it is, how their body language might be making you feel. But yeah. what I couldn't say to Sarah is, you're really defensive today. Like yes. I can see, I can see from looking at you, you're really defensive because that's me making the assumption. So I wouldn't want people not to give someone feedback if they think they could have more presence or come across more confidently if they had some feedback about the impact of their body language. But it's just don't leap to conclusions mm. about how they might be feeling. Um, you can talk about how it makes you feel in a constructive way, but not you know make those assumptions. But Sarah, if you thought that was a one that you struggled with, I think the next, the my I next know. little myth is even more controversial. But it's a really um, these are really important nuances, I think, in a topic that is often dealt with quite superficially. Okay, so myth number two, you know that bit of research that we've all heard that the total impact of your communicated message is just 7% of the words you used and 38% the tone of your voice and 55% your body language. The research that it's based on never actually said that. Um, <laughs> so if you, if you add up all those totals, it basically says that the assumptions we make are that 93% of your communication is body language but it's not actually true. Um, so the insights came from um, a research study that was done by someone called Dr. Albert Mehabrian. I may be saying that incorrectly. I thought it was a pretty good game. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, and that's where the, these numbers come from. You know, you've heard that it's only 7% words thing. It's his research where that, that actually came from. So his research is actually focused on the communications of emotions, liking and disliking. We can put a link if you want to go into that research more and maybe check out whether this is actually true. But I just think it's really interesting. It's almost like those little whispers that go round that get changed each time someone says them. Some This has almost become like communication folklore, but it's actually <laughs> false. It's, this is false news, everybody. I think body language is really, really important, but we can't rely on that whole, it's just 7% the words you use thing because that research is just, it was never intended to be used in the way that it's sort of um, being used by people today. I think I find that reassuring though. <laughs> yeah, because too. It matter. It does matter. You know, often when you you prepare for these presentations or when you're talking about something, if you're choosing your words carefully and you're considered and you know you're trying to make a point, the fact that hopefully the words that you say contribute more than seven percent, um, <laughs> kind and of the people, yeah, and that people actually listen to what you've got to say, not just whether you're sitting in the right way or what your facial expression might be in that moment. I think is a good thing. So I think I feel better about that. Well, my last thing uh, I think is not really controversial. So it's not myths. We've busted those two myths. The other thing for us to think about specifically actually in relation to body language is that when, when we're talking about body language, there are three things that we should consider. The first is people's facial expressions. There are apparently um, there are seven universal micro expressions that we all have, but a lot of our body language comes to how we're interpreting somebody's facial expressions, which I think is quite interesting when Sarah was talking about when we're presenting often people's resting faces it means we're missing out on all of those like social cues that you might get to see what how engaged people are so that's really important the facial expressions the second feature of body language is something called body proxemics. I wonder if I'm saying that right as well. But it's about how our bodies move in the space. So whether we like lean into someone in the conversation, maybe we lean away for it, how much space we fill, whether there's um, kind of nervous movements that people are making. This all forms part of our interpretation when we are observing someone, these kind of um, body proxemics and, the, and they're also the facial expressions. It enables us to make some assumptions or make some sense of what people might be communicating 
communicating but often unknowingly you know when people talk about you they they're sort of leaking <laughs> they're leaking mm. messages with their body language it's these kind of things that do it and the last thing I found really interesting because we often assume that it's you know it's very much your physical body but the last feature of body language is actually something called ornaments and it is your clothes or your jewelry or your hairstyle and your ornaments it says are actually all extensions of our body language which I thought was really really interesting and how people maybe use you know bright colored glasses or maybe they fiddle with jewelry all this also starts to become part of the cues and inform the assumptions that we make about people from their body language so I just think it's, it's bigger than people might think and also we might be absorbing it subconsciously it's not always like also we might be communicating it less consciously than we think yeah, and I think that's really interesting because I definitely recognise that last one on ornaments. So I know that when I'm either sometimes nervous or really thinking about something in smaller settings, so not in a big presentation, I will um, twirl my rings or fiddle with my earrings to the extent where I have lost quite a few earrings in meetings <laughs> because I've been like messing around with my like clasp on my earring and then pulled it out. And then been a bit like embarrassed because it's fallen on the floor <laughs> and been like, really oh, funny. God, I'm not like. And then you just like look for it and then I get all flustered and I'm like, oh, no, I am concentrating. I know what to buy you for your birthday. Yeah. Now. So it's I'm like always losing like, yeah, little studs. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think just noticing when those things show up, because I do think they are different in different situations and settings. And I never do it in a presentation or a more formal setting where I'm almost more mindful of what I'm saying and my body language. It tends to be more in the informal, smaller things. But then I think, well, that's interesting because do those people then think, am I not listening? I'm distracted. Mm. Do they think I'm nervous or I'm not very confident? But I, I've just noticed myself doing it. So now I tr a lot of the time it's kind of an unconscious habit. But mm. when you know that you do do it some of the time, you spot yourself. And it, I have like cues now that I do when I know it's happening. So if I start to mess around my earring, I'll take a sip of water. To, to like break the stop just stop it I've got it. this vision of you like fiddle sip fiddle sip yeah, yeah. <laughs> which makes me sound really twitchy which I don't it think does. I am not, I um, would never think of you as a twitchy person but um I do notice it and actually again with like rings and stuff I know that I turn them and it's often again you see people as soon as you do that what's interesting is if you watch people's eyes they go down to your hands rather than looking like in your eyes so a couple of other things that I've particularly noticed and found useful. There's one lady on body language who I've heard present two or three times, a lady called Judy James. And Judy, actually, I was going back and looking over her videos so that we could link them to the podcast. She is where I ended up getting to the kind of Kate and Megan one. So you might have actually <laughs> seen Judy on TV. She does quite a lot of stuff on like ITV. Oh, that's where I know that name. Yeah. yeah or you know, she will analyse, you know, famous people or politicians in their body language. Um, and she's brilliant. She's full of personality. Um, she's really fun. But she does quite a lot of sessions for businesses as well. And one of the things that she talked about, which really just struck me, was when you're meeting someone for the first time, just be aware of your the first impression you're making. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm smiley and I'm enthusiastic. The other thing she said, and I was like, oh, my God, I definitely do this, particularly actually probably where I used to work previously, was um, I carried my laptop around with me everywhere I went and I hugged it. And he was, and she, <laughs> she said, when you meet people, you're hugging your laptop like it's a baby. <laughs> and actually, it was just a comfortable way to hold it. But actually, it just made you uh, lack authority and a bit of just presence in that first moment of meeting somebody. It's a really small thing, but I think almost like noticing what do you do when you kind of when you meet someone for the first time? How do you show up in meetings? 
how are you in presentations? What are kind of the, I think a lot of this stuff is kind of small changes that you can make that actually have quite a big impact. And so it's funny, like now when I'm meeting somebody for the first time, I'd rather leave my laptop at my desk, go and meet someone. And if I do need it, like go and pick it up again. Or I actually try to avoid taking things like my phone into a meeting because I think, again, as soon as you have that, is a kind of kind of natural distraction, even if you're kind of not looking at it. So she's really worth, I've put, it's about an hour long presentation that she did to um, a charity called NABS, um, who are a charity for advertising. And they've obviously very kindly filmed that and, and put that online. And there she talks through loads of like hints and tips, but actually some of the science in terms of your brain and why you do the things that you do. So the one that I that really stuck with me was, Sarah, you hug your laptop like it's a baby. She's very good at the kind of soundbite from spending lots of time on TV. But there is kind of more to it than just that. I One thing I feedback-wise that I've really taken on board recently, what I, I've had... To- been speaking at events and i you know people are there with cameras and not not because i'm speaking at an event but because they've got like a professional photographer there for the entire event so you you get some pictures back and what i have noticed consistently when i get pictures back from different events that i'm speaking at is that my hands are doing some kind of mime while i'm talking like every picture that seems to have been taken of me an event is my hands are doing like like I just don't know they're doing their own thing they're and big the aren't they I, you go big yeah, with the whole yeah, I go hands. big I'm like making big and I kind of thought oh that's interesting maybe they just got me uh, a particular moment but then the more I see of these pictures <laughs> of me speaking at events because I guess we're just doing it a bit more now as our business is growing the more I'm like no I definitely use my hands a lot and when we were at the um and, you know, Sarah started the podcast talking about the event that we were at that Own the Room were talking at. He talked about noisy hands, that actually noisy hands can be really distracting. And I think however you can get some feedback from people mm. where, where it's, you know, me looking at photographs of me talking or somebody who's a really good, objective, but constructively critical person who can observe you and give you that feedback or an expert like Judy James telling that very quickly to Sarah. I mean, that's somebody who's an expert. They can give them feedback really quickly. However you can get a bit of a mirror to what the language you might be leaking if that doesn't sound too horrible (laughs) I think it's a really effective way of you changing your behavior and it's not always comfortable I remember Sarah years ago told me you know when we first started Amazing If that my presence you know we were you know we're trying to fill a stage very often when we're communicating Amazing If and I was stood behind Sarah or talking maybe with my legs crossed probably actually because of nerves um actually it wasn't a cold thing or it was a bit because I was nervous and she was like look you know if you want to come across as a really confident person we need to you know fill the stage not have our legs crossed it sometimes is a bit uncomfortable when you get that mirror to your body language and however it comes but it's so impactful because a lot of the time we don't even realize we're hugging laptops we're standing there a bit nervous we're fiddling with our cards we're you know whatever it is so for me one of the things that I'm definitely working on is these giant hands and using them maybe a bit more intentionally yeah. um, when I'm communicating and I think that's the point isn't it it's not that using your hands is wrong no what, what they were actually talking about is using your hands at the right moments can actually have incredible impact it can really help you to make a point you can show what you're trying to say by Mm. using your hands but if you're using them all of the time they just become a distraction rather than having an impact so I just thought it was a kind of it was an interesting point that he made on that and I've had something similar but more from a words perspective rather than body language which was I once asked and I've perhaps told this story before but I once asked the person I worked for to give me one thing that I could do better when I was presenting so I was quite a confident presenter 
I always felt like I did a good job when I was doing presentations, but I wanted one piece of specific kind of even better if feedback. I said to her, don't even, I'm not even bothered about you listening too much to the content. I just want an even better if bit of feedback. And she told me that I used the word kind of about, I think it was 16 times. It might've even been more in about a 10 minute period. And I was just thinking, oh no, that's like, (laughs) and initially you think it's disastrous, but don't forget that person, if I'd have asked anybody else, they probably wouldn't have spotted it. Some people might because they particularly heightened or maybe they're very kind of sensitive to that. But it really made me realise that that was one of my in-between words. And we all have in-between words or passive words or things that just reduce and diminish the things that we're trying to say. And we do it a lot. And we know we do. We both say think quite a lot on the podcast. And we try really hard not to. And sometimes it also just comes from, you know, you're trying to demonstrate that you understand you're just sharing your perspective, that you're it's potentially not definitive. But equally, when you often take those words away, actually things sound more confident, they're better to listen to. And I've um, included an article that I found, which is not all the words that you shouldn't say, but it does have this list of... Um, <laughs> That'd be so hard if it was like a list of 30 words and then yeah, I mean, you'd never actually say anything, that. would you? Um, it, it sort of is that. But I, when I read <laughs> it, I, I didn't necessarily agree with every single one, but it's the somebody who's written a book, a lady called Jacqueline Smith, and it's the things you should never say at work. And some of them, I think, slightly less relevant than others, but it does list them and you can spot, I think, in yourself, oh, am I overly apologetic? Do I use team yeah. in between? Like, and this also, you can often spot this in your writing as well. If you ever, rather than just sending an email, it's a really good action to take to write an email without even thinking about it. And then just before you press send, either pause and print it out or if you don't have a printer, you know, now that people don't print stuff out anymore, just take what you've written and put it into like a different sort of document, a Word document or your notes, and then reread it with the lens of, is this confident language? And it's really interesting to see then what you would take out, how you might write things differently, you might make some sentences shorter, you might say less. Yeah, what's, that, even what's that good quote about, um, well, I would have... Oh, uh, uh, it's it's attributed to Winston Churchill, Churchill. But I don't actually know if it is him. I I've gotten into some like rabbit hole with it that it wasn't him. But it said I would have written a shorter letter, but I, I didn't, didn't have, have the time. time. Yeah, mm, it's nice. Which I always think is definitely definitely true for me. When I'm clear about what I want to say and why I'm saying it, I can do it in bullet points or in a really kind of straightforward way. If I'm not really sure, then it ends up being like four paragraphs. And I think yeah. we've we found that actually as we've been writing a book. When we've been really confident in what we've been writing, it often actually ends up being shorter. When our paragraphs get really long or our sentences get a bit unwieldy, what you and I have both started to do, which I think has really helped us, is we've gone, what are we actually trying to say here? We've always had to take a step back and be like, what are we trying to say? And then once we know that, suddenly you can just write in a much better way. It's going to sound really weird, this, but what I have done before with like a particularly important email is I've sent it to myself. So even though yeah. I've written it yeah, yeah. and I don't need to, you know, don't send it, Helen, just read it. But there's something about sending it, stepping aside for like 10 minutes and then reading it as if it's an email that's been sent to you that gives you a, a more of the, the like a recipient kind of perspective rather than the writer's perspective of it. And it helps you to kind of be even more critical. I think it's just the distance. It's just the creating that space between you writing it and then thinking about how this will land with the person's receiving it so I guess the the main tip there is that is just be really conscious of the the words that you're using making sure that they're additive and not taking away from what you're trying to do and again make it sure that it's not creating an impression that isn't the one that you want people to receive from you 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Shall we move on to top tips, Sarah? Yes, people? I feel like we should have started to do that. I anyway, know we have. A, We've teased you with into it. Um, actually, I think probably the best thing that you can do, whether it is for body language or uh, the words that you're saying, is to get feedback from someone else. Yeah. I do think this is quite hard to be almost self-critical of. You might be able to spot some of the things for yourself. And I think if you can spot things, whether it is through printing out an email or you just know that you have a tendency to use some in-between words... Try and not only know those things, but work out what you're going to do instead. So I think that's the critical thing is, what do you know and what are you going to do instead? So is it, if you know that you use in between words, you just need to pause before you send every email and you're just going to make it an action and a habit to always check your emails for that. But I think where you get the most value, or certainly where I think we've both had the most value in this, is where you ask other people. Whether it's you're specifically asking a person to give you feedback on your body language or on the words that you say, whether it's you're getting filmed, which is always terrifying, but <laughs> I mean, you you learn a lot from being filmed, even if it's just your friend holding up a phone. Things like now, you can often, if you're doing a video conference or a telephone call, you can often record them. Now, you often record them because you want to be able to listen to the content again more for practical purposes. But I had to do that recently. And then I was listening back to myself. And as well as making sure the content was right, it was a really good way of listening, Mm. giving myself that feedback without needing to necessarily ask anyone else. So you can do it in a more self-sufficient way using, I think, smart technology. Maybe, or as much as I I sort of don't want to say this, but it is obviously the right thing to say. Maybe I should ask some feedback now on my Instagram stories when I start doing them uh, (laughs) over the next 10 days. Maybe the end of 10 days, I'll build up to it. I was going to say, like, start with just doing them. It's pretty, it's yourself from like an even bigger hurdle. (laughs) But at the end of 10 days, I will ask people for some feedback on um, my body language and what I said as a way to, you know, practicing what we preach. So get yourself, increase your self-awareness on these things and work out how you're going to move from just knowing them to actually changing that behavior and get some feedback from some other people. And one specific thing for body language 
is when we are anxious, we tend to change our breathing. And breathing sounds like a ridiculous thing to think about, but I've actually found this really helpful. So anytime you've got a big presentation or where you, you know, you really want to communicate confidently, our breath gets shallow and our breathing in becomes kind of quicker. And we can probably all recognise this, you know, when your heart's beating fast and those kind of things. Whereas actually, if you just change your breathing pattern, and apparently it's if you breathe out for a count of 11 and in for seven. So I would always say that the other way around. So breathe in for seven and then out for 11. If you do that, five, six, seven, and actually they recommend 10 times, which I'm sure I calculated when I was including this as a tip for someone else. It only takes three minutes, but it feels like a lifetime. It helps you to like physically and mentally relax and it just makes you more alert and stimulated and it moves your adrenaline from being a bad thing to actually something that will just give you the kind of ability to perform. So I think if you are, you know, nervous before something and, you know, you want to have impact in terms of your body language and not get too caught up in what's going to happen, just taking that small couple of minutes to just breathe and the last tip on specifically on body language was from Arshi, who is one of our followers on Instagram. And she says to look people straight in the eye when conveying a message to show confidence. And I think she's 100% right here. When we do lots of training sessions, lots of big sessions, maybe presenting to sometimes hundreds of people, you know, you sometimes get taught, I think this might come from school, you know, to look at the back of the room. Oh, I, yes, actually, yeah. I actually don't do that because I think if you look at the back of the room, you're sort of looking over everybody's heads. I was always taught to look in the shape of an M. Oh, do you know? Do you know that one? No. <laughs> like, whenever what, I don't do know, like move your head in the shape of an M. Well, no, like so when you're standing on a stage, this isn't one of our tips. It's just some random thing I've learned, but maybe it helps people. Um, is when you're standing like if you're presenting. I think this is more for a particularly large room than if it's yeah. like a team meeting of five people because that'd be quite weird. But if you're <laughs> in a particularly like large presentation, to like look in the shape of an M. So like imagine like you've got a big M in front of you, basically in front of the audience. If you think about where your eyes are going, almost like trace an M when you're talking, and okay. it makes sure that you engage a lot of the room when you're speaking. Does it make yeah. sense? Yeah, do you know what it does? Because actually, one of the things that I often notice if I'm presenting to a bigger group of people is sometimes, depending on where you are, particularly if you're having to stand on a stage, you often end up being slightly more presenting to half of more, one half of the room more oh, than like the, the other. one smiley person who yeah, gets your one, yeah, who you get the really entire which I've definitely done that before. <laughs> me too, me too. Um, but I, I always make an effort if I'm certainly if I'm standing in front of lots of people, I will try and move. So I will try and move where I stand to almost force engagement with other people eye contact in a different area so rather than standing still and almost trying to do the m as as helen describes the thing that i always try to do is think right well if i've started at the left hand side of a stage I'll try and move a bit more to the middle. I'll we try must and move look to the hilarious side. together because yeah. you're moving left and right and I'm like going up and down with my yeah. eyes. I never thought about that before. Oh dear. But um, I think it does work and even in smaller groups you know, not looking at your presentation, not looking at your piece of paper, actually talking to the people in the room. It's actually a really easy thing to forget because, you know, you have the presentation becomes something to kind of hold on to and hang on yeah. to. And that's, I think, much more relevant in smaller meetings. If, if you've given out something for people to read, get people to stop reading it and listen to what you've got to say when you're actually starting to present and try and invite questions, invite a conversation, not a kind of one-way I've just got to get this out as quickly as possible. 
Um, so moving on to three tips that we've got for your voice. So actually thinking about your language when you're communicating with your voice. The first one is about using the pause. Now, I know that you'll have all heard this before about how effective the pause is. But one thing that you might not know is that there are 10 different types of pause that you can use. Um, and I didn't know this. I knew that there was you know, there's diff just basically use a pause. But there are ones that you can use for dramatic effect, for example. There are ones that you can use for influence. <laughs> uh, some of it's due to the length of pause, like varying the length of it. Some of it's about when you use the pause in conversation. Probably do a whole episode on just these 10 different types of pauses, which you may be reassured to know that we're not going to do, but we are going to include the link. So there's going to be a link in the resources on amazingif.com that talks about the 10 different pauses and Ooh. when you might want to use them. So that's tip number one. Pause is really impactful, but it's more than just being silent for a few seconds. Actually think about when you use them and how long you use the pause for. Very I, useful. I think that's so much easier said than done. I think pause <laughs> pauses are... I think lots of people's worst nightmare. I know that somebody I know very well, who I will keep anonymous, says to me, the only reason she asks questions is because she hates pauses so much. Because I think <laughs> I gave her some feedback. I was like, oh, it's really great that you engage and ask questions. And she was like, oh, yeah, I do it because I hate silence so much. <laughs> Even though I'm embarrassed to ask a question, I'd rather do that than have silence, which I found very funny. <laughs> uh, maybe you should give her the link to the podcast yeah. <laughs> it's probably like the, there's very odd feedback from her the second tip we've got for you in terms of how you're kind of using your voice I found this really interesting get pitch perfect when you're presenting and the point here is that often there's some maybe nerves or excitement or adrenaline involved when we are presenting and adrenaline actually makes our voice go higher so when you're when you're stressed or you're nervous what can happen is your, your vocal cords tighten up and it affects your pitch and there's quite a lot of research to say that the higher your pitch almost the less credible and less authoritative you can come across so it's not that everyone has to keep like talking a really deep voice it made <laughs> me think of when at that point you know the um the book that you've been reading and i've been listening to the audiobook about um it's elizabeth holmes isn't it and the book's bad blood and she was the ceo of a company called yes, Theranos. Yeah. yeah she was known for talking oh god i felt very... really high pitched then when i said i, I was like yes got really hilarious, excited hilarious <laughs> she was known for talking in a very um put on deep voice to like we're not saying you have to do that but just be aware that if you're particularly nervous or excited what might happen when you present is that your pitch might go higher and it might affect how people are perceiving you as well as just being aware of that maybe using the pause another thing that you can do is back to the point that sarah talked about on um, on breathing actually deep breathing and uh, maybe before you go into the presentation even if you just do it for the three minutes in the way that Sarah talked about it can help you to get control of those nerves which can help you to get control of the pitch so just something that I actually hadn't really thought about before but useful to have in your mind I think and tip yeah. number three is from another one of our listeners, somebody called Crystal Mays. And again, it links to something we Good talked name. about Great earlier. name, yeah, I know, awesome, isn't it? And she says, don't be afraid of saying I feel rather than I think. And my interpretation of this is that it can help you to inject some emotion into what you're saying sometimes and Sarah talked about you know think I think you might use that when you are not 100% sure you're not fully committed you know I'm thinking about doing this I feel is a very powerful word it's very powerful for feedback it's very powerful in a room and it can really increase how much people might engage with what you're saying so you don't have to use it all the time I think a lot of this is about using these words and using your pitch and your tone and the pause intentionally but just having those tools in your kit bag when you're thinking about how you might want to um, communicate and the impact that you might want to have might be useful to you 
maybe we should actually ask people who've listened to the podcast this oh, week. Oh gosh, I know what you're going to say feedback. right now. I know what so, you're like. <laughs> it's only because I was listening to that one sentence and thought, oh, you then started it with, I think. Oh no. <laughs> Which was quite ironic, but I really enjoyed it. But I we think should. we should close the podcast. Yes. <laughs> but if you're listening and people are always so kind in rating, reviewing and sharing, which we really appreciate, and please do keep with the five stars. You don't need to worry about doing that. Uh, continue with that bit. But if you do follow us on Instagram and when we post this podcast, if you do listen to it and think, oh, actually, I've noticed that Sarah sometimes speaks too quickly or maybe she could pause more often or if you have feedback for either of us, because obviously you don't see us, so you don't see that right now I'm using my hands, you don't see Helen's noisy hands, you just hear our voices. (laughs) My noisy hands, I love it. (laughs) Uh, That's the advantage, I guess, of a podcast, you know, made for radio (laughs) and all that. But we would love to know if there are things that, get on your nerves that you think get in the way of you being able to really enjoy what we're saying so if you're brave enough we promise we won't take it personally but it would be really interesting and really insightful for us so when we post podcasts on instagram get in touch with us give us some feedback uh, we'll make sure we ask for it when we when we put it live and thank you so much on the subject of reviews uh, we've had a few more five-star reviews really recently from people like aim high social Georgia Carano, I hope I'm saying your name right, Karen Black and Plowsers. So lots of people going on and reviewing us, which does mean that we end up in the top two or three business podcasts. It means that we get shared more and it makes us really grateful just to read those. I have to say, in any tough moment of a day or a week when Helen sends me one and goes, oh, look at this, we always read every single one personally and get really excited. So thank you for doing that. And next week, we've got one of our special guest podcasts. So I'm going to be interviewing a lady called Michelle Morgan. Michelle is the founder of a company called P-Joys, and they are a pyjama company. So you'll see pictures of Michelle and I both uh, (laughs) doing the podcast in our pyjamas. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning, so it felt very bizarre. But they're very beautiful pyjamas, so they sort of feel like almost something you might wear anyway. And we're going to be talking about mental health. So it's Mental Health Awareness Week. So we felt like it was a good topic of conversation, very relevant. And Michelle shares her own stories and her own experiences of running a very successful business for 16 years, a marketing agency, her own challenges with kind of stress, anxiety, kind of some burnout, what she's learned. And she's actually the lady that taught me mental health first aid so she's a mental health first aid facilitator she does a lot of work with mental health first aid england so she's really knowledgeable and credible as well as having kind of personal experiences to share so it's a slightly longer podcast than normal perhaps more thoughtful reflective a bit less action 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 like we are sometimes with our podcasts i should also just make the link that the reason is p joys is all about raising awareness of mental health and you're like where's the pajama connection everybody there are pajamas (laughs) and they've talked about mental health but yeah michelle's insight was basically when you're having a tough day or a tough time actually you spend quite a lot of time in your pajamas and actually if you wear beautiful pajamas it can give you that one moment of joy to just make you feel a little bit better which is really nice and her pajamas will certainly make you feel better and i think we're going to give people the opportunity we to win are. Some, i was just gonna say yeah head over to instagram when this goes live we will have a competition running for one week where you can win a pair of beautiful p joys and look amazing in your pajamas but also actively support the wisp work on, on on mental health so yeah head over to instagram all the instructions will be there you're looking for the picture of sarah in her pajamas there's only <laughs> one so it's probably pretty easy to spot um but yeah all the instructions will be there get involved and um yeah and one 
from one person will be winning a pair of PJs. And they're really lovely to wear and they're all very sustainably sourced as well. So lots to love about them. Tick, tick, tick. So thank you as always for listening. Tune in next week to hear that interview with Michelle from PJs. Um, and I'm now off to do my first Instagram story. So, um, so excited. Wish me luck and hope Helen has a lovely holiday and we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks See you for everybody. now. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.